All right, we are here. We are here, and um, our our dear co-host Demetrius. We we need to address something. We need to address a giant elephant in the room, if you will. Uh, it's it it it's time to stop. Uh, it's time to stop. The 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 simpage needs to needs to go. I told you last week that we were stopping the simping. Yeah, but some yeah, but some people had to uh had to go off the deep end and uh and we've we've got we've got people here today. We have to be on our best behavior. Yes. And um and as such, uh you may be known as the Super Saiyan Sith, but I'm gonna need you to become just a an, an Uzaru Sith today. Uh well, I am typically either a rogue Jedi. Now I'm just a I'm just a Ronin. I'm just a lowly Ronin. Um, I'm I don't have any problems. I'm just out here just trying to live my life, drink some tea, and uh and not simp for anybody. Yes, but on Wednesday, um, since we're doing Equalizer three, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's going to be very hard for me not to simp. Wait, hold, whoa! Have you seen the movie? I I saw it last night. Same. Wait, are we talking about yes? Uh, well, well, guys, uh, we gotta tune in to Wednesday when I figure out what in the world this man, man is about to be on, and um, and maybe my decree of no more simpage is about to die out. Uh, we need to be we need to be uh respectable men out here because we have ourselves a a lovely guest here today. Um, the 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 one and only sword of the Jedi herself and. And she came looking for blood, and I'm, I'm gonna make sure she don't get any. Yes, both of us are currently in undisclosed locations due to uh, last week's episode, so <laughs> we're in hiding. So I'm Demetrius, and I'm Demetrius, and Meets Meets presents the Blurred City Podcast. So Jamie, it is good to have you on. If any thoughts before we uh, jump into everything? It's good to be back. Um, I mean, you know, obviously this is the second episode of your recap. It's not the first one. So there's a little bit of disrespect going on there, I guess, in the fact that this is the first time I'm bringing on for this, but that's okay. And I guess on that note, I, I will do the part of keeping the simping in check. There will be no simping this week. So that that's the other part of this come for blood. We'll keep both of you in check. So, but anyway, we're doing great. We're here. All right. And with that, let's get a strong legal spiegel. The purpose of this podcast is to explore digital and print media with respect. All sources we reference are owned by the respective companies, Disney, and our thoughts and opinions are strictly our own and reflect no biases, corporate agendas, or simpage whatsoever. Your discretion is strongly advised, but uh, considering the the contents of this episode, we we may be we may be in good hands. All right, so this is our second recap episode, but it is recapping the third episode of Ahsoka, Time to Fly. Um, so we're going to get into just recaps. We're going to get into the big question of the week, obviously our MVP of the week. This is going to be a new segment, but we're going to give our most controversial Star Wars takes because Star Wars fans are the most toxic fan base, and we like to kick the hornet's nest from time to time. And then we give our predictions for next week and the big picture view of Star Wars. So with that, we always start with the pulse of the people and we are going to turn it over to our guest, Sword of the Jedi. Can you tell us what is, how are you feeling so far about Ahsoka? Um, I think it's fantastic. Honestly, I stick with my reactions from the premiere week of last week. I think this is going to be Dave's masterpiece. I think it's phenomenal. I think this is the Star Wars content that we have waited for. I really feel like every episode you see just the way that dave masterfully is able to pull all parts and elements of the star wars story together in one kind of cohesive presentation um and it's just really amazing to see him work a live action story now so i this week was maybe a bit of a slower episode maybe it wasn't as much quite going on as the first couple of weeks but still i think this is this is setting up to be the best of the best of star wars tv that we've seen yet so niche and from from I from what I've gathered from the uh, good interwebs, we see that this, in in the short words of all of Gen Z, uh, Dave Filoni's cooking. Um, he is absolutely in his bag. He cooking. He is on fire. Even though he didn't direct this episode, he is still he's still uh that the eight the HMIC. Um, he he is the Filoni. He is the the one. He is the Don. He is the Stanley. Uh of this franchise now 
and uh and let's just say that he he's he out here about to about to about to get a bunch of paper yes um and definitely from what i've been seeing just like different article titles popping up i've been trying to avoid too many like recaps and reviews just so i don't kind of take my own review of this but a lot of just like good things i'm hearing a lot of people i think this is definitely what disney plus needed um because they've been hemorrhaging money with the streaming services and then uh the last few kind of streamings that they've had haven't been the greatest in reception in the world at least but definitely ahsoka a lot of just like good chatter about it i know we did the andover review which was crazy but i think with ahsoka it does such a great job of the star wars that we love along with a mature storytelling so kind of with that give the pulse of people i think people are really loving ahsoka at the moment next week is we're already at the mid-season finale which is crazy so with that let's get to the breakdown and recap uh whoever wants to take off go ahead Let's go ahead and get this thing started, and and it kicks off in a way that uh that warms the the sword master in me in my heart, because we get Sabine Wren training, and she's she's training with uh, a wooden katana against uh Yang's holographic uh projections. Think uh the Demon Slayer with the the with the doll, uh just think that, but with wood and uh with lights and not uh actual swords that will send you to the highest heavens uh but but in any case like this was just her you know trying to trying to get a grasp on her saber skills her grasp on her swordsmanship and just how she is basically frustrated and struggling over that you know wanting to expedite training want to learn how to use the force even though he ain't basically told her like she she ain't about she ain't about the life uh she ain't ready for the life but ahsoka is out here encouraging our girls like you you can do it keep keep it going yeah so with that um just kind of give the training overall again with the recaps you've seen that so we don't need to go uh detail for detail but essentially ahsoka brings up a good um kind of lesson thing where it says all things are connected through the force i saw in an article where it was kind of the first time where it was mentioning that um, not just the Jedi can be force users. Um, so that's what's actually kind of interesting topic. I know like in Rogue One, I forgot his name, but it man, he was kind of just like, Yes, I am one with the force, the force is one with me. I don't know if he was using the force, but like he just like trusted in it. So like kind of Ahsoka tying that into Sabine saying, Hey, just start small. And we see minor progress. Again, Yang is a menace. <laughs> to the absolute just like top tier the way he just like dogs on her that speaks his truth he just speaks his truth but something that i want to get to um and i found like really interesting is the new republic is trash um so with that bureaucracy is the enemy of progress um that's something that i've had to learn over the past year um but with that hera needs resources because hey one of the greatest threats to the galaxy that could unite um, the embers and the like the um remaining parts of the Imperials is still out there, well, out in a different galaxy unknown right now at the moment in Thrawn. And she's like, Hey, I need help. Can we back up Ahsoka? And we see the senators and then also Chancellor Mon Mothra, right? Mon Mothma. Yeah. So she's conversing with them and a lot of articles I've seen about one of the um senators the one that was kind of just like the coward of the group i don't recall his name but like he's very important and it ties into like um some actually eu stuff uh but he was like really just like we can't help you um we have other resources that we need uh we have other places we need to put our resources um this and thus forth so that was definitely an interesting scene if y'all have thoughts on that um i mean my thoughts on that are more in that scene regards to kind of Hera and the position that Hera is in because you you know I think I think this could bear even more conversation with between Ahsoka Sabine and Hera all three of them have been through a lot um before we even get to this show right and so Hera coming from a background where if you've watched Rebels you know the backstory of her and Thrawn you know that she lost Kanan you know that Thrawn invaded her literal home and like stole her Kalikori or whatever it's called from her house and then Kanan had to steal it back there's this whole other kind of plot for that you know you know what she's lost when she talks about how she's had people killed by him she's see- like you know what she's seen so you're kind of in this spot where it's like why won't anybody take her seriously so I think it's it's difficult because yeah you talk about like not wanting to be in another war but it's like 
if you're not willing to take the steps to prevent it from happening at all, then yeah. And it's, it sucks because again, we have this character that we know her backstory. We know what she knows, but these people are more concerned with like, here's my power and here's my kind of realm of what I control than like what's actually going on in the bigger picture. Yes. And just kind of with that uh, real quick, Mitch, um, I think throughout, it's going to be in kind of more predictions where I'll talk about it, but just like we see also in The Mandalorian, that one episode where they focus on the Doctor a lot, the New Republic ain't really s- smart about some things that they're handling with the Imperials. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Meech. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. So I was going to talk, see, I was just going to say that later, but nah, nah, we, we need to get on Hamato uh, or Senator Hamato. We need to get on this man because he was, he was opping. He was opping of the highest activity, and and considering the fact that uh, that spoiler alert um, for episode seven that came out years ago, know that uh, Hosnian Prime does get blown up. So uh, that was on you, buddy. That was all on you. You you could have prevented this, but um, but nah, you had to be an op. So uh, but but at the same time though, like just just playing a little any bit of a devil's advocate and this hurts my soul even trying to do this okay because uh i i desperately wanted to uh shove this shove this a uh, dark saber right into this man is the fact that it, when it comes to like this whole idea of the new republic and just them like not knowing what to do or an actual reality i think it's more of the fact of they've been at war for so long that they've forgotten what peace is they've forgotten how to like because basically like almost all of the vestiges of the old i say old republic and more like uh the republic of the clone wars era like all of them most of them either been phased out of their jobs or killed or all of the above so so in essence like all these people who are currently in charge they are basically either new at this new at this thing don't know what peace is I've only known like probably what war or the empire is. So they have no idea what they're doing. And, but that's all I got to say. That's the only amount of defending I'm, I'm ever going to do for them. And Hera did bring up that line where she asked, um, did you like experience the war? Or did you just kind of sit there and wait for whoever wins to, and then crawl out of your hole, which was, a that was a bar. So um, just like with that, I think that we're really, they really, we're going to see that they really haven't learned anything just like from even how the kind of synth initially crept in to all the messages and then just like, boom, when it happened, it happened, which kind of leads into later. So, but I'm not going to get into predict- predictions and bigger picture yet. Uh, so with that next part, it's really the rest of the episode. We see that uh, Ahsoka and Sabine are in the Dinap system and just kind of taking it from there. If y'all want to go. Yeah, Sure. So, yeah, so we see, I really like this sequence, actually, kind of the whole um, hyperspace travel with Sabine and Ahsoka and Hiang um, and everything kind of that goes on there. But anyway, so they're traveling out. Um, they drop out of hyperspace. And this is where we start to get like their first inclination of like, what is Morgan actually doing? What is she actually building? We've already seen a little glimpse of that from the end of the second episode. So as the audience, you kind of already know what they're coming up on. But this is the first time that our heroes, quote unquote, if you will, are going to see it. So they drop out of hyperspace. They are, of course, engaged in a classic Star Wars dogfight, we'll call it. Um, It's actually pretty cool because you have this whole sequence where like Ahsoka and Sabine, it kind of starts where Ahsoka's trying to push Sabine to um, engage in the same way that like Ahsoka engaged as a Padawan with her master, but then like Yang has this comment that's like, well, with the way that you're both acting, there's not going to be like a, a future or whatever for us. And so Ahsoka has this really cool moment where she shifts dynamics and you can see them actually start to really work together. Um, and again, that kind of gets to more of some of the dynamic that shows up between those three characters that we can talk about a little bit more later. But anyway, so they are in this dogfight. Um, Sabine kind of finally starts to kick the rust off as soon as they start working together. She starts mowing down, of course, the extra nonsense characters. But again, we have Marauder, we have Shin, <laughs> who are like, you know, some of the main pilots. So we know that they're not going to die. Um, but we, we get down to the point where like they get into the scope and suddenly you see this thing, the Eye of Scion. We know that it's called that Morgan's been building. This is the first time that our trio sees it. And Yang is, of course, like, oh, get as close as you can because I want to get all these scans. 
of course, as any classic Star Wars villains construction project, it has it, it decked out with lasers that it starts, you know, turbo lasers. It starts firing at our heroes as they pursue. Um, Morgan thinks that she got them because they dropped out of the scope. There's a really interesting interaction, actually, between Shin and Morgan, where Shin's like, congratulations, Morgan, you almost got them. It's just like this really condescending kind of way that she's like, I'll go take care of it now. Very interesting dynamic between those two still. Because I think anyway. Morgan said something initially to Shin um, along those lines of like, you didn't handle it or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. She's like, if it's like, I'm surprised you let them get this far. And then basically it's like, step aside, the lasers will handle it or whatever. So there's this just really interesting dynamic still going on between those two characters. Um, and then, of course, you know, they have to recycle the... Um, power in their ship because the ship's not working there's this really cool moment where ahsoka goes out on the wing it's really a classic like clone wars anakin obi-wan ahsoka thing um that she does where she goes literally out in a spacesuit and has her lightsabers and she's kind of delaying while sadine can get the ship running they finally get the ship running and basically go towards the planet where they run into our friends the purgles that show up um wars. yes our space whale purgle friend um our space well purgle friends allow uh, Sabine and um, Ahsoka this lovely opportunity to escape down to the planet where they end up hiding. And kind of by the end of the scene, we see Balin for the first time this episode where he's got this like posse. There's a really interesting scene, actually, because so Maroke, first of all, Maroke talks for the first yes. time this episode. That's wild. Um, like, OK, he says a couple things. That's that's interesting. The man speaks. Um, but anyway, so they're the only two pilots that survive. They kind of skim over, don't find them as, don't find Ahsoka, Sabine as they're hiding in the forest. So they call into Balin and Balin sends, I'm, it's very unclear if they're bounty hunters, if they're like locals, maybe this is an early iteration of the Knights of Ren. It's really not clear what exactly is going on in that scene, but Balin has this really interesting, like the way that they did the cinematography, he's kind of like staring off into the distance of this like map that we had that we used from the end of the last episode and doesn't even look back to the forest, just kind of gives the order to go kill Sabine and then has this like thousand yard stare or whatever. And that's or not kill Sabine, basically go kill Sabine and Ahsoka, go kill the Jedi, basically, and then has this thousand yard stare. And that's the end of our episode. It's a very, very interesting. Great forward episode. Um, So kind of just with that, I mean, you hit everything uh, with that. Uh, the only thing I had to say was Meech, the, the whales reminded me of those ReZero whales. <laughs> that, that demon from Re it's the anime, Jamie. That whale is a monster. <laughs> but with that, yeah, Merrick speaks, which was interesting. But Meech, you are our voice analysis person. Did that sound like Starkiller to you? All right. So in my uh, professional opinion as a voice actor and uh, voice analyzer, I, I, I ran through through that scene multiple times. I had to hear it through multiple headphones and multiple uh, avenues. And suffice to say, like the, the speech pattern was very Starkiller-esque, you know, short to the point. He, he, how he even said, like, as you wish was the same way Starkiller did in Force Unleashed. Uh, and but... At the end of the day, like, again, we we don't it, it's it's still a 50 50 split on whether it's Starkiller or or Ezra, in my opinion, because because a mask can definitely we, we see how masks completely change a person's voice out of nowhere. Looking at you, Kylo. Yeah. So, well, so, we, if, so it could be that if you follow if you follow Star Wars theory, which I'm sure people who are listening to this for the Star Wars might like he's very convinced that it's Starkiller. So again, I I still don't have I, I might actually throw a wrench in that. I'm going to say it's 45, 45, whether it's Starkiller or Ezra. I have kind of another theory of a possibility that's very, very, very far fetched. But Standard for yeah, I'm not going to say me just he. If I know he has like the the lightsaber that like kind of is the little Darth Maul, yeah. If he like takes it apart and then he does the like the stance, we might we might be talking. But uh, with that, anything else from the episode we want to talk about, discuss, or we can just get into our MVP of the week. I do really want to talk about some of the character development dynamics we see in that hyperspace scene. Um, because first, so you've got Kiang, you've got Sabine, and you've got Ahsoka. Right. So there's kind of a dynamic between 
Ahsoka and Sabine. And then there's a dynamic between Ahsoka and He Yang that are very interesting. So with Ahsoka and Sabine, like, again, you have that kind of classic conversation of, well, actually, Sabine, the force is in all things. And like, Sabine's like, well, I can't feel it. Um, And it's like, she's, you kind of see the classic Sabine that's very shut off. Um, And again, if you've watched Rebels, you'll know, like, Sabine, we'll get to Sabine's iteration of she's been through a lot. Her story in Rebels, um, before we even get to the show of Rebels, she actually was part of the Empire, um, developed this weapon that the Empire then used against Mandalore. So used it to basically kill her own people. And then as soon as she realized she was part of that, she was like, no, I can't like couldn't take it that she'd done it and then left the Empire. But because of what she'd done, her whole family basically disowned her and Mandalore disowned her as well. So she, in her guilt strickenness, like ran away from the Empire because one, she hated them and two, because yeah, all that. But then her family abandoned her too. And we see the cool kind of arc and development of that story in Rebels. But again, it kind of, this version of Sabine has echoes of that version of Sabine that was very closed off. And I think, you know, obviously it's probably to do with Ezra's disappearance is this version of Sabine and her closed offness. But we know that in learning the ways of the Force, you're not going to be able to actually reach out and engage with the Force if you keep yourself closed off. So I think it's a really interesting kind of opening dynamic that we start to see. One, we see Ahsoka step into this role of a teacher and the way that she teaches Sabine. But two, I think we start to see, again, like what Sabine's real obstacles are going to be in this season. I think my theory from the beginning is that for her to really become a quote unquote Jedi, but I'll even get to that comment in a second, like she's going to have to embrace both sides of her. She's going to have to embrace the Mandalorian and she's going to also have to embrace the ways of the Jedi. Um Right now, it almost seems like she's, you know, we haven't really seen her in her Mandalorian gear. It doesn't seem like she's consistently wearing it. So it's almost like she's somewhere in this in-between state. Um, So I think she's going to have to, one, open herself to the force and two, embrace all sides of her to really step into that. So I like kind of that dynamic with Sabine. And again, Ahsoka kind of being the one to guide her through because of everything Ahsoka has been through. And that's going to bring me to the Ahsoka and Hiang dynamic because you have Hiang, who is this like remnant of all of the classic, rigid, like orthodox things of the Jedi Order, right? And, you know, in the original trilogy, it was often referred to as like, oh, that ancient religion or Han called it, oh, hokey religions or whatever. So really, if you look at the Jedi Order in as like a religious institution, right? Ahsoka is this picture of religious trauma really is kind of what her story is if you follow her from the clone wars all the way through to present um what i love about her story is that she is the person who like takes the things that mattered to her that she got from the jedi order and continued to live them out even if she wasn't a part of the thing that hurt her right like she she recognized and had to reconcile with and kind of come to terms with all the things she went through um in how the jedi order pushed her out but you know, in that she still clung to like the things that she still believed at her core were good and were right and were true and went on the mission of what really she felt a Jedi should be, even if she didn't take the title of a Jedi. So you have these two interesting sides in that He Yang and Ahsoka dynamic that you have the remnants of like all the rigid things that fell um, with Anakin. And then you have Ahsoka, who, like, was the Padawan of Anakin. But, like, also, I really loved He Yang's, like, non-traditional Jedi. Like, you come from a legacy of non-traditional Jedi, remark Because if we trace that, like, starting with Ahsoka, you back to Anakin. Anakin was definitely non-traditional. To Obi-Wan, definitely non-traditional. To Qui-Gon, 100% non-traditional. That's why he wasn't on the council. To Count Dooku, not traditional. That's why he wasn't on the council. To Yoda, who, like, Yoda might have been the Grand Master. But, again, still not the super most traditional. So anyway, you have this whole awesome line there, but I love that acknowledgement and just even their conversation about how like he hangs all like, well, it was a proven method that worked. And Ahsoka was like, well, no, actually it failed. Like one, it hurt me. And two, it failed and it failed my master. And that's how it felt in general. Like it's not standing anymore. I am. Right. And so I think that's really cool dynamic for her. What I love, the last thing I really loved about that is her comment of, I don't need her to be a Jedi. I just need her to be Sabine. I love that because I love that, again, in Ahsoka being this non-traditional Jedi, if you will. Um, she's just really embracing the ideology of what a Jedi should be. And I think she's inviting Sabine to come with her in that and kind of partner in that. Um, and Sabine, of course, is so stuck on like, how do I do this well? And how do I perform the way that my master, quote unquote, wants me to? But again, I think she's going to just have to come to a place where she can accept all parts of her and be like, okay, like, 
I am a Mandalorian and here is my culture and here is my history. And now how can I make this Jedi tr- Jedi thing? How can I make it my own? Um, just like Ahsoka has. So I think they're kind of a perfect pairing in that way. But anyway, so I really loved those dynamics of all of those three characters that happened throughout that sequence. Neat. All right. So for me, I actually want to touch up like something I did bring up in the beginning, which was the swordsmanship and the aspect of that. In the sense of like all the movements that she was doing and like this is the saber gill coming out of me, so uh, full full uh disclosure. Hey, what? Shout out to Mustafar Temple. Let's get it. Um, but so when it when it comes to like her combat and like all the phrases that they were that they were saying like for callouts, like they were very Japanese in- inspired. In fact, like it wasn't fully Japanese, but like there was enough in there to where like it you could like transpose it to like this speci- these specific phrases for like a shallow cut a full follow-through cut and slice and all things like that so that was like a really fascinating thing to like see like okay like all right cool they they actually like going back to the japanese roots of like star wars in general and the samurai roots of saber combat which i'm like yay uh, but also also another thing that i do and also touch up is is just the scene of sabine trying to use the force on the cup so what I what I like find really fascinating about that and the sort of Jedi is, is, is probably going to start having deja vu is the idea of brute forcing your way through a uh, brute forcing the force. Just how uh, essentially like at that moment, she, because of fact, as you mentioned, she was closed off. She's very closed off to about everything. Of course, she basically got her. Her, her behind whooped by Ahsoka in that sparring session, even though she she was actually kind of, she was actually starting to block really well, and then she let uh some frustration kind of cloud your judgment, uh, Kenobi. But uh, but but really, like, when she's like, when Ahsoka's like, hey, start small. I, I feel like that's going to be, like, the starting moment. Where, like, all right, she's going to start small with various other different tasks and... And like eventually, like it's gonna circle back around to her. You trying to do it on the cup again, and then it actually moves, Wh- whether it's by her or not. It's it's gonna be it's it's gonna be a fun scene overall. But but those are kind of main things I want to touch upon as well, especially being a saber combatant. All right, that yeah. that last comment you made about like circling back to her, either moving the cup or not, it kind of makes me think of those scenes in Rebels when Ezra's trying to use the Force. And it's like Chopper and Sabine are messing with Ezra where like he tries to lift Chopper, but Chopper's like, you know, magnetized himself to like the ship floor or something. Like I can almost see Chopper trying to mess with Sabine in like much the same way that they used to mess with Ezra. But we'll see. Oh, one last thing. One last thing. I'm surprised none of us talked about Jason. Yes. Jason said no. I love Flash. Oh, yes. Little little Jason. And he's wearing his dad's uh, shoulder pauldron. Uh, RP to a real one. All right. So with that MVP of the week, I can I'm gonna start. I can only give it to her. Um, capital H E R. Ahsoka. She literally hopped out of a spaceship and killed another ship. What are we talking about? That was that was awesome. Like like that was crazy. <laughs> so that has to be my MVP of the week, just for that alone. I mean. Her Soka had to uh she she had to prove she had to prove why this show's named after her, you know what I'm saying? So and that's why she she immediately got MVP. Uh who who else can say like they cause if if you go back to uh EU and like Legends Lore, the, the art of actually deflecting ship fire is extremely taxing to a force user. So uh Alright. So she got it and also killing a Killing a an NPC in space, and then her just chilling like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna go float out here for a little bit, waiting on waiting on y'all to pick me up. Boss woman status. Yeah, I mean, I guess she's gonna sweep the category this week because my MVP has to be Ahsoka. Um, again, for a lot of the reasons I touched on, like it's just been really amazing to watch her step into the teaching role, um, the way that she handles Sabine, um. The way just I mean, even little callbacks like the scene where she's piloting the ship, like I watch that and I just think, yep, that's Anakin's Padawan. 
that's Anakin's Padawan, right? So like those awesome moments. And then, yeah, again, that like scene where she goes out in his face, that's like, I love that because it's just that classic, like Anakin and Obi-Wan did exactly the same thing. Like, I'm pretty sure she already did the same thing like in the show. So it's like, um, so anyway, it's just, I don't know. I love those elements um, that just kind of tied back to some of the nostalgia of what we know about Ahsoka's history. And then, yeah, just her contributions too. Yeah. So with that, uh, Mitch, one thing that I did want to mention, uh, we, since we keep saying NPC, which is also a mob character, what if one of those were Leon Bofarto? <laughs> you want to repeat that again? <laughs> I mean, he is a protagonist, so he's not a mob anymore. Let the audience note that is- Demetrius H. has ignited... His lightsaber in response to that prompt, since you can't see what's happening. Ah, uh, yes, to our anime fans out there. All right, moving forward, we are going to get into our big question of the week. Once again, this does not purely have to relate to the show. Sometimes it can go a more philosophical route or just directly to the show. So what do you two have? I One big question I have actually is like, okay, we know Zeb's out there. Okay, but like where is Zeb and are we going to see Zeb in this show? That's kind of like, because, you know, at this point, we've got Sabine, we've got Hera, we've got Chopper. Um, We're looking for Ezra. We've seen him in hologram form, right? Um, Kanan. All right. And kind of a, yeah, rip, but maybe that's a question mark. I don't know. We'll come back to that. Um, So Zeb is the last one that's like missing, right? And we've already seen him because he had that awesome cameo in The Mandalorian. So like, are we going to see Zeb? How's Zeb going to play into this? Is Hera, and here's kind of my other thought, is Hera going to just kind of basically, classically, as with many of our Star Wars protagonists, just disobey a direct order, grab Zeb, and then just make it a classic ghost mission? Like, is that what's going to happen? I don't know, but I'm really curious. Like, Zeb has to show up, right? Um, additionally, um, we know he's on the cast list. So like, when is my boy Anakin Skywalker going to make his appearance on the show? He has to, he's been in the trailers. His voice has been in the trailers. Like, I don't know. I'm ready. I'm ready for that return. So. Well, we're almost at the mid season. So. All right, Meech. Where's Darth Maul at? Again, who is Merrick? Cause uh, three. Maroc. That's how they're saying it in the show. Maroke. Merrick. Like ah, Galen. You're basically Merrick. naming him Galen Merrick at this point. Look, if di- Do you not realize just how close those two names are? They did that you? on purpose. I, that's what I'm saying. Are you choosing a side? It sounds like you're choosing a side. You had an earlier. Uh, it sounds like you're choosing a side. Oh, no. Well, actually, actually, this might be a, a high prediction. They, they're going to hybrid hybridize the two. Is is this your five percent, uh, Jamie? No. Okay. Do you want me to get into that while we're on? Let me just ask my question because I yeah. I, mo- I moved around. So uh, with that, um, my only question, and it's actually going to tie into predictions as well. So that's why I'm quickly do it. But how ineffective throughout the rest of these Star Wars TV shows are we going to see the New Republic pre New Trilogy? Because we know that the First Order takes over. Um, again, I'm gonna save some stuff for the predictions. So obviously the new Republic isn't that good at their jobs. Uh, so transitioning, we can get into the, uh, the, the 5% investigation for predictions. All right. So, okay. Here's the thing. Again, I think this is super far-fetched. I don't think it's likely. I'm not like leaning on this as my first option, but it is a possibility. So um some of the theories out there tie so the name Maroke apparently has some ties to the idea of wolves and wolf or something like that right so there's people that have taken that in the direction of oh Ezra has these connections with the loath wolves but there's somebody who actually has a much stronger wolf connection than Ezra and that is Caleb Doom aka Kanan Jarrus so my theory here Again, possibly super far-fetched. Yes, we know Kanan's dead. But, however, we've seen a lot of really whacked-out cloning things in this show, right? Like, it's not outside of the realm of, like, weird, like, cloning situations, right? So, my kind of third, like, what if... Again, very, very small, very small percent. I think at this point, it's much more likely that this is either Starkiller or maybe Ezra. 
Um, but what if it's actually kind of a corrupted Kanan clone? And that's how we get our last member of the ghost crew um, who hasn't actually made an appearance in live action yet. Again, super far-fetched. Yes, the real Kanan's dead. But it would make a very interesting, like, emotional um, obstacle for some of these people that have to go over if this is, in fact, a Kanan clone. I think either way, I think it's somebody that we know, um, whether it's from the extended universe, whether it's from a previous show, or it's somebody that's connected very closely to somebody that we know. I don't think it's a new character. Um, I just don't think it can be a new character. But that's kind of my last, like, really, really small percentage but it's not outside of the realm of possibility that this could actually be a defective clone or a um, not defective, but corrupted clone of Kanan Jarrus. So any other predictions, big picture or for next week? I think for me, primarily, uh, since they are going to be basically on planet, like, of course, at least next episode is going to be like them on the run, probably fighting up all these NPCs and getting them uh, sent sent straight to the force and but also it's also i think like this is probably where ahsoka may like encounter balin where they have that conversation about anakin or and we may even learn more about our, our favorite space whales <laughs> and how they are the path to the new galaxy all right um for me i think this i'm gonna just stick with big picture mostly when thrawn pulls up he's catching bodies uh so I believe he's going to be the first domino to the first order. Now, I believe it's like a 20 year gap between episode seven is where we're at currently. You're somewhere in that range. So obviously he wasn't in that. We don't know where people are in certain situations, but like obviously he's going to like lose to an extent. But I think he's going to be the first order of like pulling all of those resources together and like however he manages to do it kind of resets the galaxy in a sense where like he sets up a home base for the first order like we saw um in episode seven so that's kind of like my big prediction and then like for the show strictly i think sabine is dropping a ship on somebody with the force i, I feel like there's no reason that you set that up for to not like then in a big moment use like force in a way but if they don't necessarily want to use the force like uh pain from naruto then i think it can also be in a sense where she won't necessarily be quote-unquote brute force strong in the force but like kind of like an empath in terms of like oh i can sense people i can like you know use the jedi mind tricks and such like that yeah in that sense instead of just like purely for fighting reasons so that's kind of like my predictions on the show like I, and she has been having those dreams too. So like there's there's elements of some of that that's there. It's just kind of a curious point. Like and, and that's even we know that from the history of the Jedi Order, even there's different Jedi that had different strengths even within the force. So Yeah, it's like lightning. And I also like how you said uh drop a ship out of the sky. Uh like like a certain somebody. Our boy Vader. I know that was full. I know that was fully intentional, and that's not who I was referring to. But oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, honestly, I think whatever happens in the next episode, I think it's going to be a big action episode because, like, they've really set up like this is going to be another like fight for their life episode. Um, I again, I I agree that I think this show showdown with Balin is going to come up in the next episode. I think we could very well. I think this might leave us on a cliffhanger of like the actual like light speed jump to wherever or whatever i think i think either way i think the eye of scion will be active at the end of this episode i just know like where to leave it i think since it's halfway however it ends the the heroes are going to be on the losing end to an, ex- to an extent um obviously i don't believe they're going to die since it's episode four but um to an extent so with that everything we're going to get into the fun part of the show we're going to give our most controversial star wars takes uh, Meech has a whole list. I don't know if he wants to go first or last. I'll leave me for last, because uh, what I'm about to say is about to trigger everybody out here. <laughs> All right, Jamie, do you want me to go first, or uh, do you want to? Go for it. All right, so for, in watching this episode and seeing how the senators reacted, and then also kind of what you t- mentioned with Yang and then his conversation with Ahsoka and how he was like, oh, the Jedi Order and how we need to follow it, yada, yada, yada. Um, Yoda is a coward. 
that's my take. Um, he hit out on Dagobah. Is that how you say it? Dagobah. For for the longest time, the the Empire needed well, not the Empire. <laughs> the everyone need the galaxy needed him, and he hit. Now you can say that he was there because the Force led him there, and he needed to be there for Luke, who ultimately he saved the day. But there was a lot of good that he could have done, but he was hiding in the swamps. So Yoda, who is one of my favorite characters, literally top three. You know, we preach about his wisdom and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, he was a part of a corrupt uh, Jedi Order or misguided. Let's say it that way. And when everything went south, he gave up on the order and hid like a coward. So, And before uh, they release another release Yoda, the series. <laughs> yes. They All right. They'll be round two, but Jamie. Oh, man. Okay, I think my controversial take of the week is going to be more pointed towards the fan base, actually, from all of my fellow female Star Wars fans. Um, Star Wars has a long history of powerful and important female characters, okay? They might not have always taken center stage as much as the men, but when you have characters like Leia, you have characters like Padme, you have those are kind of my favorite examples because those ones off the top of my head. But even like Ahsoka, Ahsoka's been a powerhouse character like for a while since she's been around. She, this is not new for her to be a main powerhouse character. But the amount of comments that I see from like sad little Star Wars fanboys that this story is now suddenly centering women um, who were already awesome. Like this, the show wasn't like made as this like pro-feminist agenda like we have to like do this thing like no like these were already really awesome female characters and we're just letting them finally have center stage that's what's happening here so the amount of comments from these little star wars fanboys that are like oh this this like saying things about the show that's basically like you just don't like it because it's a female dominant cast like that's the only reason you don't like it um that's nonsense and we're not here for that so again, this is this is my hot take that female characters has, have always been incredibly important, incredibly powerful, incredible leaders. Um, Mark Hamill himself said that it's really good that Leia took over the rescue on the Death Star or that would have been a really short movie. So like, let's maybe make some space in the fandom for our really awesome characters. I, yes. I feel like if someone thinks that's controversial, then you're speaking directly to them. <laughs> But you've also gained a lot of simps on the podcast uh, followers now, so I, I know we weren't supposed to. We were supposed to stop, but congratulations! <laughs> wow, you you really. All right, but it's my time now. Hit <laughs> the danger button. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm 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 only gonna list three out. Only gonna list three out for the day. Uh, so. I'm going to rank it in terms of what I think are the least egregious to the most egregious. All right. Number one, John Williams carried the Star Wars movies in the sense of that, like his score is probably more so the reason that the, the Star that the Star Wars was very successful in the first place. So here, here's my main thing about that. In filmmaking, right, the score is is pretty much almost as almost as if not more important than like the movie itself. Because if you have the wrong score for a certain scene, it immediately takes you out of the scene. But John Williams came in with heat. He came in with heat and he kept writing heat. And then when you thought this man was done, prequels happened and he decided to drop more. He decided to drop more for us. And then when Kenobi came out, he, he said like, you know what? This is going to be my last. And so he had to end it with bangers. Bangers that make bro make grown men cry. Bangers that folks are proclaiming to have in their weddings, you know? So so that's controversial take number one. John Williams hard carried the, the, the success of the franchise. Number two, the best things that Disney has done has not involved the Skywalkers at all. T think of it like this. Rogue One, phenomenal. Mandalorian, uh, Ahsoka, money. Andor. I was getting there. Andor, heat. What do all these things have in common? The focus of each of these series has not been on 
a member of the Skywalker family, whether it be Anakin, Luke, Leia, and that's about it. Uh, that's all we care about. <laughs> that's, that's all we care about. But and if you look at the numbers, those are the highest uh, grossing ones. The only exception is Kenobi, which while it's about while it's about Obi Wan, it's also about Vader. Like he he is ma- he's number he is main character number one in that show as well. So, but that that's about the best that they've done. Also, Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor. Eat, I tell you. Cough. That's what happens when you try to take George's story and make it your own instead of letting it be George's story. Cough, cough. Ooh. Uh, oh, I don't know. What's number three? Here, here we go. And now this is the one that's going to uh, anger a lot of people. And it may anger one person on this panel. All right. I, I had to prep myself mentally for this one. Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi is most definitely a Christmas movie. Nani? Absolutely not! It, it is, is not a uh, Christmas uh, uh, let's, movie. Let, Christmas let me, doesn't let me, even exist in Star Wars. Let, let me explain. Let me explain. Let me say. Let me explain. Oh my gosh! All right, so here we go. Here's the reason why Return of the Jedi is a great Christmas movie. All right. <laughs> Number one, you have a bunch of trees with lights on them in the <laughs> when you go on Ewok on the forest moon of Endor. Right? We have. Some nice good fires that that have been happening, you know, at the end of the movie. You you got Jabba the Hutt going, oh, 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 oh. like a certain jolly good fellow, okay? You want a nasty worm to come down your tree or come down your chimney and give you presents? Is that what you're implying? Let, let me finish, let me finish, let me finish. I, <laughs> I mean, hey, if Jabba the Hutt wants to give me gifts, then let me get some, all right? before you get choked out. And then finally, there's a big theme in this movie of green and red. You cannot deny the evidence. Of Literally every laser or lightsaber color, every Star Wars movie has green and red lasers and lightsabers in it. No, 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 but it was this movie that introduced green lightsabers. It was this movie that had the green and red clash, okay? And the best thing about this movie is the theme of family. It had a big theme of family, a big thing of the family coming together to help uplift one another. That's not what Christmas is about. This is not what Christmas is about. Together, right? Yes, that's what Christmas... Wait, so Christmas is not about the family being together? I mean, you want to get religious about it? Do, and if do you really want to get technical, it was a pagan holiday that was adapted to be a religious Christian holiday. So, <laughs> But do families, do they or do they not get together? Well, I mean, if you lonely, then you don't. So, But that's unfortunate for you. That's, that, that's, that's just circumstances. That's outside of your control. I feel like I'm going to Told you that's my hottest take. So Amazing. Is, Every word you just said was wrong. And you quoted the worst movie. So Which I also said in a previous podcast episode was the best directed movie, but it's still a Luke Skywalker quote. So Luke Skywalker is still valid. I did okay on the on the music note though, you brought up the John Williams thing. I actually feel like I'll keep it short. I actually feel like this score, it's yes, it's very different. It doesn't really feel like Star Wars. Like I've been trying to pinpoint. It sounds like something else. It almost sounds a little bit more like the Game of Thrones score. Just just a little bit. If I'm going to make it more like something. But it doesn't really sound like Star Wars. Except they kind of, they took Leia's theme. And they like, there's kind of this recurring like, it'll pop up every once in a while. But it's very similarly modeled after Leia's theme. This like very like stretch of it. Um, it's not like the main score or anything, but it keeps popping up, especially when Hera shows up, it pops up. Um, so I kind of love that element of keeping Leia's legacy kind of alive in it. Um, but what I love about that is it's it's really in line with this idea of like, we have to think outside the box and be different. Um, you know, like what what the characters are actually experiencing. I think it's a really brilliant um, decision actually on behalf of all those making the show that it's like, yes, it it's the show itself feels more like Star Wars than probably most of the other shows we've gotten, but the music doesn't really put you there. But it's not that it's a bad score. It's just it kind of challenges you. Like, oh, like you're the feeling is different, 
but it's also very Star Wars. It's I don't really know how to put better words to it than that, other than I think it really captures the wrestling of like, here's this thing that we knew and it fell. So now we have to figure out our own way for the captures it. So just like me with um, the random fan theory, Meech, you cannot no longer give controversial takes about Star Wars. Nah. <laughs> oh, you sure about that? You are going to get a lightsaber through the abdomen if you say any more about Star Wars being a Christmas movie. None of that. Oh, oh we we going to talk about the entire franchise being a Christmas movie? <laughs> but I, but I can make that argument. Let's do plays and get up on it. <laughs> you know what? All right, so here are our main plugs. So we got ourselves our Instagram and our Twitter, Blurred City 22 Like, follow, subscribe. We also have a Threads account under the same name, Blurred City 22 that also has the link to our Discord page. Come join this fine community where you can uh, tell me that I'm right about uh, about it being a Christmas movie. And then, and then also, you may be able to voice your very, your very wrong opinions that it is not. All right. And then we also have ourselves our YouTube and our Patreon, Blurred City Pod. Donate some extra cheddar and get yourself some special content, you know. And the special content can include extra special episodes that are not posted on the main account. So, so hey, if you want some more content where you talk with your boys, then there you go. We found like our pain episode that we're going to add. Exactly. Because th- all this world and this galaxy shall know pain. And then finally, we have ourselves our email, blurredcity22 at gmail.com. This is where you can donate. This is where you can submit questions, random fan theories. This is where you can submit uh, your controversial hot takes. No no take is a bad take. Uh, and then also the fact that you can also submit, you know, your thoughts on the show. So that's that. And then finally, I'm the Rogue Jedi 21. Feel free to come uh, follow, subscribe to me if you want to at me for... Uh, for anything that I may have said today, then um, you can catch this lightsaber. You catch the lightsaber, the dark saber. You can take uh, just just every saber. You can take a force saber to the to the throat. So hey, and then finally we have ourselves you. Oh, you didn't mention your uh, Jedi meet uh, dating profile as well. So I thought we were supposed to keep that under wraps. <laughs> All right, let's I thought we were supposed to keep this the simpage out of this. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Jamie, do you have any plugs you want to get off? Um, if you want to find me, you can find me on Instagram at jsteach, J-A-Y-S-T-E-A-C-H, and go Mariners! For my individual author pages, you can catch my Instagram at Mitri underscore dash, that is M-E-T-R-I underscore D-A-S-H, and then for my ex which is formerly known as Twitter, which I literally see on every article that they have to say that because it's such a ridiculous name. But moving forward, that is at the mat dash 16. So uh, with that, we are going to sign off and we will catch you next Monday. As I always say, it's not goodbye forever. It's just goodbye for now. And that's the Blurred City Podcast. See you later, my fellow Jedi. Most definitely a Christmas movie. <laughs>